A while back, I was, as I was spending time in Luke's gospel, reading the story of Jesus, I, I found myself when I came to this portion, the climax of his story, the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus, I found myself surprisingly frustrated because my objective in, in, in walking through Luke in my morning readings was to come to know Jesus more. But it seemed as though when I came to the story of his death and his burial and his resurrection, that the narrative was, was really taking my attention and focusing not necessarily on Jesus, but on others who were surrounding him in the story. It's as though the, the message of Luke and the story as he records Jesus' death and burial and resurrection, it isn't look at Jesus and see what he went through. But Luke's focus is look at others surrounding Jesus and notice their response. And I believe the purpose of, of this Holy Spirit-led writing is that we would look at our own hearts and lives and ask ourselves, what is our response to this life-changing message? In this story that was just read by for us of Jesus' death in, in, in the Gospel of Luke, our attention is drawn to three characters, or perhaps we could call them three groups of people. First, there's the centurion, and as Bill and Robin read, upon Jesus' death, a soldier praised God when he saw Jesus die. And he proclaimed, surely, this was a righteous man. Mark tells us in his account of this story that his words were, surely this man was the son of God. It's like this centurion had no Jewish religious baggage or background to give him any bias one way or the other towards Jesus. If he had any religious beliefs at all, it was probably associated with the cultic emperor worship in the Roman Empire. But what was it as we look at his response that caused him to come to this new place, you might say, of faith? I'm certainly the miraculous events of nature at Jesus' death, those must have gotten his attention. Everywhere, as you see in our auditorium today, it was darkness over the whole land. That had to have affected him. And as Matthew records the story, there was an incredible earthquake that shook the ground upon Jesus' death. That must have gotten this guy's attention. And it's likely, as, as Luke and the other gospel writers tell us, that the curtain of the temple was torn in two. It's likely that word got back to this guy of that temple, that, that whatever happened in there to the curtain... It's very likely because it was Roman custom that this Roman centurion had been assigned to Jesus from the very moment he was arrested and he was to stay with him through this whole process. It's likely he was with him at his arrest. He was with him at his trial. He was with him as he was beaten. He was with him as, he was, as the cross was carried to Golgotha. He was with him as he was crucified. And so you just kind of, it made me wonder, could this have been the guy that flogged Jesus could this have been the guy that one of the guys that drove the nails into Jesus and he had watched Jesus through this whole process he'd watched how Jesus responded to people who falsely accused him 
He watched how Jesus didn't retaliate, how Jesus didn't fight back with harsh words. He heard Jesus say of those who crucified him, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. Who says that? Who does that? This guy had watched and seen Jesus in adversity, and no doubt adversity really reveals who a person truly is. This experience for this centurion, it was so convincing that he proclaimed certainly, or translations might say truly or surely, this man was a righteous man. This man was the Son of God. The Son of God died. He was new to the story of Jesus but what he had experienced and seen on that day powerfully got his attention. That's where some of us are today. And then there, there's another group in verse 42 of people. And Luke describes them. These are those that had gathered to, to witness his death. And so I'm wondering, because it doesn't say, well, well, who are they? And why are they there? They're just spectators in the crowd. They're there for the show. Kind of like, you know, you've seen the old westerns where people go to, to watch the hanging. And I wondered, were these the individuals who had applauded Jesus as just a few days earlier he had come in his triumphal en entry into Jerusalem? Were these the people who had also in the crowd complex cried out, crucify him, crucify him when he was on trial? But now upon witnessing his death, they didn't have words adequate to express how they felt. And so Luke just says they beat their breast and walked away. This death of Jesus, it evoked in these spectators an emotional response or emotional reaction but you wonder like with many emotional reactions would it like a wave would it soon die away and would it be forgotten and would the next day would they go back to life as usual will this only be a, a nice Easter service and each one of us with some level of emotional response, but will we tomorrow go back to life as usual until we return again next Easter? And then there's the third group that Luke mentions here in verse 49. He says these are those who knew him, or at least they thought they did until now. Luke adds, and you can't miss this because it's a repetitive thought in, in his narrative here, that some of this group were women who had followed him from Galilee. It's clear, therefore, that this third group, these were, these were followers of Jesus, but I guess not anymore because he was dead. They had no thought, they had no expectation that he would rise from the dead. This story for them was sadly over. The thought that he's the Messiah, well, I guess not. All their hopes and all their expectations of the kingdom, they're now gone because their, their king is dead. 
It wasn't supposed to happen like this. It wasn't supposed to end like this. You ever been there? This is not how the story of a follower of Jesus is supposed to go. Some of us are there. And so Luke tells us that they stood at a distance and watched. So some morning ago, after reading what we just heard of the burial of Jesus, I went on my morning walk and, and I asked God in prayer, so what are you trying to show me about Jesus in this story? That was my goal in Luke, to try to come to know Jesus more. And the immediate response that came to my mind was, well, that he's dead. And I laughed at that because it's like it's the obvious. And the point is, did you notice again, there's, there's not much here in this story of his burial about Jesus. Our attention is not drawn to him so much as rather the Holy Spirit seems to want us to look at others surrounding and part of the story and to notice their response. The first person that's clearly somebody the Holy Spirit wants us to see is this man named Joseph of Arimathea. Matthew tells us that Joseph was a rich man. In Gospels, John, we read that, that Joseph was a disciple of Jesus Christ, but he was a secret disciple, for he feared the leaders of the Jews. But Luke says, actually, he was one of those leaders of the Jewish people. He was a member of what would be called their Jewish council. We would call it today perhaps their supreme court. But unlike the hatred of all the people for Jesus on that council, something struck this man about Jesus. He believed in him and followed him. And so he descended from the majority decision to have him killed. It was the Jewish custom in this day to bury a body exactly on the same day it died. But the problem with that was it was the Roman custom in that day not to allow families to take criminals down from the cross. They wanted to further their humiliation and leave the body on the cross and let it decompose for days and let it be exposed to the birds of prey. This would be an example to others and this would be an insult to the Jewish family. Joseph certainly knew that, but in spite of that, something stirred in him. It gave him courage to go to Pilate and request permission to take the body of Jesus and bury it. And surprisingly, Pilate gave permission. And so with the help of Nicodemus, John tells us, who was another dissenting member of this Jewish council, Luke tells us that they took the body down from the cross. So how do, how do you do that? The cross is standing there with its body on it. So somehow these two men took the cross with the body on it down. They laid it down and they somehow had to figure out how to get these nails that were deeply driven through his body into the cross beams and pull them out. With gentleness and care, according to Jewish custom, they would have washed the body 
They placed spices over the body and they wrapped his body in a linen cloth. Mark in his gospel account says that this wasn't some leftover linen that Joseph had in his home. He bought this as a new piece of linen just for this moment. Luke tells us that this was a a new gravestone. This was Joseph's own tomb that he honored Jesus with by putting him there, never before used. The prophet Isaiah foretold that Jesus would actually be buried among the rich. And that's interesting because Luke's focus in his whole gospel is on the poor. But here he wants you to notice this rich man. Not all rich people are bad people. Not all Jewish leaders were bad people. As we see in Joseph of Arimathea. Why did he, why did he do this though? Because according to Jewish law, and he knew it well, he was going to be ceremonially defiling himself by touching a corpse. You don't do that. And earlier, he had been a secret disciple. He had feared what others would say and what others would do if they they learned of his faith in Jesus Christ. But what he just did, you cannot do that in secret. That was very public. It's like this guy is boldly coming out of the closet. He was risking being ostracized from his position on the Jewish council. He was risking his life. And it just seems like that now Joseph would have gone further into secrecy. That Joseph would have distanced himself further from Jesus in doubt and disbelief, figuring, well, I guess he's just not... I thought he was but Luke tells us that Joseph was waiting for the kingdom of God waiting still even in this moment if he was a follower of Jesus it was almost impossible for him not to have heard Jesus speak of the kingdom and though it seemed like now he should give up abandon all hope of the kingdom he He waited, and he held on to hope, if even by a narrow thread. And then there's this other group of people that you can't miss in the story because they're not mentioned. Where are his loyal followers in this point? Where is his loving family? And maybe they were figuring, well, the Romans aren't going to let us take down the body anyway, so what's the point? Had they lost courage? Were they... Were they confused and disillusioned? I mean, why risk your life now? I mean, he's dead. He's not who we thought he was. It's over. Like, really, what's the point? And then again, you can't can't miss this. Luke says, take a look once again at these women in the story. Luke tells us that they followed Joseph and Nicodemus as they made their way to the tomb and watched where he was buried. They were still there following Jesus when the others weren't. They had followed him during the glory days of his miracles and and, and his popularity. We saw earlier in Luke that They were following him and they went with him to the cross. And now they were following him to the grave. They kept following 
for some reason, even though it seemed like there was no longer a good reason to do so. Many of us have been there. Many of us are there. Those dark and painful times of uncertainty when what is happening or what has just happened, you don't understand what is going on and why. It's those times when your faith in Jesus doesn't play out the way you had hoped and the way you had expected. But you, you hold on. Still. Barely. And, and you, you wait. But for what? <laughs> You're not even sure. But you wait. So you, you would kind of think, well, now we're going to see Jesus in the story. <laughs> but we don't. Did you notice how, other than this red-letter quotation of something he said earlier, again, like, like in the story of his death and the story of his burial, Luke's focus isn't, look at Jesus, but Luke's focus is, look at the response of others to Jesus. And here's the crazy thing. The main thing that Luke wants us to see of the reaction of these people to Jesus' resurrection is that they didn't expect it at all. That's his main point here. He first draws attention again for the third time to the women who were there. And, and sadly, this would have been surprising to a first century Jewish reader because women held a, a, a second class, if even that, position in society. But you've got to love Luke. He, he, he's the underdog. He's, he's a champion for the underdog. And so he mentions them. Don't miss this. The women were first to the tomb. They were first to see the risen Lord. They were first to be entrusted with the news that he had been raised from the dead. They were the first to give testimony to the disciples. These women were basically messengers to the messengers. They were apostles to the apostles, you could say. These women were there when the men weren't. Take note of that, guys. Because this is sadly typical too often of church life and even of family life. That too often the men are not there. Not stepping up to spiritually lead and to, to spiritually serve in the church and in the home. And so the women do. The women doing what men won't do. And in this instance, they're going to place spices on Jesus' body. But as they get to, their, to the tomb, to their surprise, it should not have been a surprise, but it was. To their surprise, the tomb was empty and there was no body that was there. And so what seems to be somewhat of a, a gentle rebuke, the attending angel said to these women, remember. It's like, don't you remember? Remember how he told you how he would be crucified and on the third day be raised again. And if you follow the stories in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, at least six 
times Jesus says, okay, I'm going to die, I'm going to be crucified, and three days later, I'm going to rise from the dead. How do you forget that? I think, I, think it's, I think it's quite interesting that Matthew tells us that Jesus' enemies, those who had him killed, they went to Pilate and they said, we need to secure the tomb because, listen to what they said, we remember that while he was still alive, that deceiver said, after three days, I will rise again. Even his enemies who had him killed remembered those words, but his followers had forgotten how do you forget that? It's easy for me to talk like this as a, as a Monday morning quarterback in hindsight to say, oh, oh, I would have remembered Sunday morning. You better believe. I would have been tailgating right at the tomb before the sun came up. I would have been there. I would have, I would have been ready. But would I have been there? Isn't it true that we too are very much like these women in our own faith we're listening right we're listening to to God's word we're listening to the story but are we really oh yes yes we believe it so did they do we really believe it because if we really believed it, would our lives be lived perhaps differently than they are today? So these women, they go back and they report to the others, to the disciples who were likely still sleeping in their safe hiding place, what they had heard from the angel, but these guys also didn't believe the women. Like everybody forgot. And Luke writes that these women who told them what these women had told them, he says it sounded like to them as nonsense. In the Greek word, there is an interesting word, liros, from which we get the word delirious. They're just delirious. And, and it is kind of true, isn't it, that somebody rising from the dead? That's crazy. How do you believe that? So much of our Christian faith and the truths of our faith to some seem to be so foolish. But it shouldn't to Christians. But it, it did. And does it still? Luke then draws our, our attention. He wants us to notice Peter particularly because after he speaks of these women and their interaction with the disciples, he says, Peter, however. And so he draws a, a laser focus on Peter in this story it says that Peter ran to the tomb to see if these women were delirious or not don't you just hate it when you tell somebody something and they don't believe you and you they have to go check for themselves and so Luke did uh, Peter did and we know that John tells us it wasn't just Peter that went but it was John and Peter who both raced to the tomb but Luke doesn't mention John he leaves him out he only wants us to see Peter and I wonder why it's hard for me not to believe that perhaps Luke mentions only Peter because of Luke's attention throughout all of his gospel to messed up people. To people who have messed up. Like Peter. I mean, it was just a few verses earlier that Luke 
makes it clear. This is the guy who boldly proclaimed that Jesus, I am with you through thick and thin, thin, even if it means imprisonment or even if it means death, only to see, Luke wants us to see how Peter failed Jesus three times in denying that he even knew him in the heat of the moment. And so now, after having run to the tomb and finding out that these women aren't delirious, he walked away wondering what had happened. What were his thoughts? Could it be true? Could he really be alive? After my failures, after letting him down as I did again and again and again, could there be a chance that I could make it up to him and start over? Could there still be hope? If you have failed and messed up, Come again and see the cross. There is forgiveness. Come again to the place where they buried him and wait and hold on to hope. Come and see the empty tomb. He's not there. He has risen. There is hope. There is still hope. And so as we have walked through this journey guided by Luke as he's guided by the Holy Spirit seeing the response of others to this explosive message of the death and the burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ we want to invite you now to respond to the story. We're first going to go to the tables once the lights come on. The tables that have prepared here and in the center and here where we're going to take communion together we're going to give thanks and we're going to remember as we've walked through this journey with Luke we're going to remember his body and his blood that was given for us on the cross with the emblems that we will take and if because of of health concerns or safety reasons going to the tables is is not best for you then we have some of our um, little communion kits that are available on on the back table here you're welcome to take one of those we certainly want to encourage those of you who are live streaming with us to participate in communion as well. And then after you go from the tables and you've walked through this story of Jesus' death on the cross, we want to encourage you then with the flowers that you have brought. And if you did not bring any, that's okay. We have them placed. As a matter of fact, there's communion um, trays here as well for those of you that are up front we have flowers that are available for those of you that forgot them we want to go from the communion tables then we want to place flowers on the cross as a symbol of hope and new life out of darkness and death for he is risen so we have looked at how people respond 
to Jesus in this incredible story. One of the ways we respond is through our, our offering of our worship offering that we bring to the Lord once a week. And so we always want to remind you of how that's done since we no longer pass the plates. If you would like to make a, an offering to the ministry and the work of this church, you can mail your check to the church address. You can give an automatic draft through the bank. You can go online to our website. It's quite easy. Find a little box that says give and follow the instructions. Or if you're today with us in person, we're so glad to have you. There is a basket right there on the table um, on the way out right here in the auditorium. Those of you who are not with us in person but are with us live streaming, we are so, so delighted that, that you were with us today. You're just as much a part of this family, even though you couldn't be here today. We love you and appreciate you, you being with us today. There's so much about our Christian faith and about the Christian story that could be said. But if you notice today, we just focused on the core of our faith, on what, on what the, the Bible calls the gospel. In 1 Corinthians 15, it says, it's the story of the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But what was interesting is Luke guided us. We didn't really look so much at Jesus as the response of others to Jesus. And so as we have seen the response of others to Christ, now it's time for us to consider our response. And so with those words in mind, I'd like to share with you these closing words. Would you stand with me as we close? May the life-changing explosive message of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection create faith in those of us who, who are like that centurion and you're new to the journey of faith. Oh, may it explode in your hearts. And if it has and if it is, you stop one of us and say, I, I want to talk more to you about this. I want to be baptized into Christ. Let us know. May today be more than a once-a-year celebration but may Jesus' resurrection motivate us in how we live each day of the year. May our faith in the resurrection of Jesus give us hope and endurance when things in our lives feel so hopeless. May the resurrection inspire us to steadfast commitment and service in following Jesus even when we feel like giving up. May the resurrection of Jesus give us courage and boldness to be a light in the world, a dark world, like we saw in Joseph of Arimathea. May the death of Jesus on the cross and his resurrection from the dead give us strength and a reason to stand up when we've failed and fallen, like we saw with Peter. May the resurrection compel us as followers of Jesus to proclaim and make known this good news of hope to others in the world. Church, go in hope. Hey, I'm Eddie White, the senior minister for the Eastside Church of Christ. Sure want to thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I hope today's message was indeed a blessing to you. I'd like to invite you to browse our website at eastsidesprings.com to get more information or to contact us. And as always, we indeed welcome you to join us for our worship service in Colorado Springs as we seek to live out Jesus' mission of making disciples of all nations.